0: Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date, informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome, everyone, to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. I'm Jackie Lewis, clinical nutritionist for B and Multi, and today I have with me Anthony Benici. Welcome Anthony, how are you?
1: I'm very well, Jackie, and yourself?
0: Yeah, very well, thank you. It's nice to see you as well. Um, so today we're going to cover discussing your Brain Blinkers program, basically a program that helps to release p- humans from three key mental barriers to high performance and success. Can you tell me a little more, Anthony?
1: Oh, sure. How long have we got, Jackie? <laughs> I
0: know, I know. <laughs> That's
1: the thing. No, it's uh, over the last 15 years, Jackie, I've been... Um, speaking around the globe on this little topic that's very dear to my heart because not only was it something that I found in business uh, when I worked at a pharmaceutical company actually many many years ago with your husband I believe you're right <laughs> <laughs> oh Roger Lewis my goodness so I was at that company for for a number of years and and in leadership positions and and I remember being in a position of sales manager okay so basically a middle manager and looking after a whole bunch of people to trying to get the best out of them right and I, I employed a number of tactics, that whole sort of motivational side, high energy, just get people, you know, let's go, let's go. But what I found worked the most was to find that one, usually one thing that was, I guess, blocking them or in their way of achieving what they wanted to achieve. And more often than not, that one thing was actually blinded. It was something that they weren't aware of. And it wasn't until just having chat, Chats over coffee was such a common thing for me. Um, you know, having a chat about something, not specifically looking for what I now call the brain blinker, mm. but just uncovering, you know, so sort of what hurts a little bit or what's not going so well. And quite often, it came down to a fundamental belief about something very specific. And in selling, it might have been a a fear of asking the customer to do something or or something even as simple as as asking a customer a little bit more information about. So I did a little bit more research on it and the whole sort of cognitive behavioral science behind it. And 15 years ago, I, I started my own business. And I've been speaking for about 15 and a half years now. Now, Brain Blinkers is the main thing I do right around the globe. I wrote the book and did all that. And it's still the one program that I find has the most impact on people, uh, no matter if we're talking on a podcast like this or someone's read the book and they've contacted me or we're in a live session together or as we know over the last sort of nine, 10 months been a <laughs> virtual session. And the brain blinker is quite simply, and if, if anyone wants to have a look at it you know, online, the logo, if you could just imagine, is that brain with blinkers or horse blinkers around it. And the idea is that we have beliefs that are blinkering us or stopping us from being our absolute best. And that's what I've been focusing on over the last 15 years to help people not necessarily change just for the sake of changing, but if they would like to change, if they recognize the need to change, as a lot of the people listening to this uh, little podcast right now have gone through enormous change at some mm. stage recently. I mean, even if you haven't been through bariatric surgery, my goodness, the last nine, 10 months, <laughs> the whole COVID thing. My that goodness. will
0: show you change. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, change forced upon us. Yeah, so I mean, change is the constant in the world, and never has it been more important than right now. So we're going through this change. Our brains don't usually like it for many, many various reasons. But what we find, what I have found, and certainly as I've coached or spoken to hundreds of thousands of people, is that one little (laughs) belief—it can be innocuous—and if you become aware of that, it can change your behaviour really, really significantly. And that's what I have to focus on over the last I guess like I said 15 years
0: it's quite incredible how one like you don't know what you don't know yeah. and there's things about ourselves that we obviously don't know that we don't know and yeah. it sounds to me that you've got that key to uncovering these kind of blind spots and bringing into vision almost what those kind of limiting beliefs and um, saboteurs are yeah. do you have a special kind of story that you like to relay around maybe someone you've seen use your program and had a huge kind of aha moment, and just the impacts it's had on their lives.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. So we've sure got a few. Yeah, I <laughs> know oh, there's one. There's one that rings. I mean, there's one I use, irrespective just about irrespective of the audience I'm speaking to, whether I'm speaking to truck drivers or big CEOs or school students. I'm doing that uh, at the end of this week. But talking to a bunch of new Year 12 students, she it doesn't matter. Good. Oh, it's it's just wonderful. I'm, I've got the best job in the world. I really <laughs> but irrespective of the audience, there is one story and. I guess it'll be a nice little way to bring all the pieces that I'm going to speak about together mm. today. And he won't mind me mentioning his name. Richard Romano was a guy who was in a session oh, about nine years ago, I'd say. And it remains the single most significant, I guess, story, real life story that I've ever had. Because what he was just a guy in an audience, right? And it was about 150 in this particular audience. I had him for a half day workshop, which is a very typical uh, brain blinker session. You know, A lot of corporates book me for sort of you know half a day. And a lot of people think, oh, it's just a, it's a matter. Motivational session. Yeah, we'll get out there all rah rah, but it's not really about the rah rah at all. I, I'm, I'm pretty high energy, as you probably hear, but <laughs> but uh, I, I don't believe in that sort of false rah rah, you know, the false, yeah. you know, hey, everybody get up and do it type of thing. What I believe is that when you strike something significant, you just need determination and action. I'm a, I mean, I'm in the mm. middle of Mel Robbins, and know that you've seen it, Jackie, uh, the five second rule at the moment. And it's all about just, hey, just put everything else aside, count down from five to one, and go and do the flaming thing. You know? yeah. that's, that's what it's about. Out. But this guy was in the audience, and I remember his face before we got to the end, which was the real seminal moment. And he was really into it. And he was into this whole notion, and I haven't even introduced it yet, but the three main brain blinkers that you've already mentioned are limiting beliefs, self sabotage, and fear. Okay. So the, Richard had been through the session, and I'd explained all three of those over the workshop. And then we got to a moment, which I'll come back to later, Jackie, if it's all right, where, where he basically clicked, and it was an amazing click. Yeah. So before we get to his, Whole story, which is really, really important. Just a, a brief, I guess, introduction to what those brain blinkers are in a little bit more depth. And the first one's the big one, which is all around, I guess, limiting beliefs. So the idea of it here is that whatever we hold true, and this is the underlying bit, whatever we hold true, and I'm not here to tell anyone listening to this what to believe. Okay, that's not my job. It's not your job, Jackie. It's not anyone's job except yourself. If you're listening, what you believe is what you believe. And we can talk about sex, politics, you know, <laughs> all of the lovely taboos. So- a topic, which basically, uh, you know, and, and we well, they could have been in our head since since we were born. You know, we conditioned to believe these things. You know, there are lots of reasons why they're there, mm. and I'm not here to tell you necessarily even why they're there. But know that whatever that belief is, it will always affect how you think and thus how you act. So the way I like to think of it is a cascade: believe, think behave. And that belief, think, behave model is, is is really important. It underlies what I speak about. It's a cognitive behavioral model. And it basically says that if you want to change a behavior, and here's the guts of it. If you want to change a behavior, go back to the belief that's driving it. Okay. So, you know, for example, if, if I want to be less I want to procrastinate less, even using that as an example. Well, you know, if I find I'm procrastinating on this, that, and the other. And we all do it, right? What is the belief underneath that is actually driving that behavior? Mm-hmm. And quite often, the belief will be something around uh, I'm no good at this, or I'm not capable, or I've not tried it before, therefore I'm a little bit scared. So, there are really simple fundamental beliefs that are masking themselves as this thing we call procrastination. And in fact, I use an even more real life example when I speak to audiences is about road rage example. Mm. So just think of the last time you got incensed or upset with someone on the road. Okay. And you know, you shouldn't sort of Beat the horn or give them the finger or swear your head off, especially if the kids are in the car. We all know that sort of, you know, it doesn't make sense for us to do that. It doesn't actually create a great result. but, And yet we still feel like we've got to do it, sort of thing. So that's the road rage. So the behavior is road rage. I challenge people to go back to what the underlying belief might be. Mm. The underlying belief might be something like, I expect other people to drive like me. Correct. And that was mine. I'm using a very personal example. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, There you go, Jackie. Yeah. I think you're not alone, Jackie. Let me tell you. Stick
0: to the rules and everyone will be great. It'll just be so, fine. So that's
1: it. And that's a belief we all hold. And that's why we have rules, so that people don't die on the road. Okay, mm. And we can actually have traffic that moves. But unfortunately, what happens for a lot of people is that it absolutely blinds them. So, for example, all right, oh, I love it when people, when I let someone in, they give me a little wave to let me know that, you know, thank you. And are you, are you the same, Jackie?
0: Uh, Sydney driver's wave. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. Funny <laughs> that when right? I moved to Queensland, no waving. I was like, "You're not even waving." I let you in. You're not waving. It's really interesting, and and it is an expectation that obviously 22 years in Sydney gave me that. Yeah, you let someone in, they wave. They give you a so, wave. There's little
1: sort of, yeah, there's little norms there. There's sort of um, unwritten rules, I guess. But, you know, for me, the wave thing was born of a belief that, you know, be courteous to people. Yes. It goes back to my childhood, right? And there's arguments to show that, you know, between the age of zero to seven, most of what you hold true right now, it was already embedded. yeah okay So me expecting someone to give me a wave when when, <laughs> when I'm driving is actually a product of me being taught by my mum and dad to be courteous to other people right yeah. That makes sense right So if we if that makes sense to us then we can then go and unpick the stuff that is actually holding us back. So for example, mm. for me, I used to get really, really upset on the road. Like quite upset, not just with people not waving, but you know, like you said, Jackie, people not um, obeying the road rules or, or whatever it may be, dangerous driving, and it used to incense me and actually cause my behaviour, my, my behaviour to be different, and that upset my girlfriend, who's now my wife of 23 years. Kind of been too and, bad. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's gone okay. But at that time, I remember her saying, "You know, look, I really don't like the way you drive," and I remember being defensive about it, saying, "Well, that's you know, a it's who I am, and that guy did that," and you know, I was pointing the finger everywhere. And I thought about it more. I thought, "Hang on, what is?" Behind behind me being so upset on the road. And it was, the belief was people should drive like me. Mm. So that actually became my limiting belief. And I uncovered that and thought, okay, what can I do about that? Well, I actually now choose not to hold that true. Mm. Now, when people drive like me, you know, give me a little wave, it's a, get a little smile on my face. That's fantastic. Sure. I do like other drivers like you, Jackie. You're probably a courteous, right? I do like a wave, yes. Yeah, we love a wave. But I now I now don't expect every single person on the road to mm. do it. And the reason I don't expect that is because they're all not like me. I might have a few like me, many who are not. And who am I to think that I control the world? It's yeah. ins- it's actually insane the more you think about
0: when it. When you peel it back to that, it's interesting to see what you find and understand. Stand that would then, of course, change the way you think about
1: it (laughs) and your reaction to it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So understanding and being at peace with that, it's not about accepting less than what you expect of yourself. It's not about that. It's just about holding that belief to account. Okay, and me expecting everyone on the road to drive like me is actually insane. Mm. So I now believe my new belief, as of the last sort of ten or fifteen years, is people drive like they do. I don't. My job is not to change them. My job is to drive. Like I do, and look after me and whoever's in my car. Yeah, and and since doing that, Jackie, I, am, am I less angry on the road? Absolutely. Whereas I used to be like a nine and a half out of ten angry, quite seriously. <laughs> yeah, crazy, silly. And I, I, you know what? I used to blame my Mediterranean blood on that. that. That was one of the crazy little excuses I used. There's a lot of beliefs there. Yeah, <laughs> no, there, there are, and they're, they're enshrouded yeah. and encapsulated, right? Until I stripped it back and just challenged it and thought, hang on, hang mm. on, I've got half a brain here, and I can see that the behaviour is not helping. What am I going to do about it? My mm. new belief is people drive like they do. I'm not in control of them. I just control myself. Since doing that, my level of annoyance on the road, I reckon if I give it a, I gave it a number from nine and a half out of ten, it used to be, it's now probably three. Yeah, so nice. I, do I still get annoyed with idiots? Of course I do. You know, someone driving really crazy, shake my head or maybe give them a look or whatever it may be. But I now, I no longer want to kill them type of thing. Right? Yeah, killing, um, you
0: know, we're peeling back from there. That's yeah. good.
1: It's not good. <laughs> get, go, going back from that is is a very good <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: So this is very common and it's a great, it's a great, situation to use because it's really prevalent. Our behavior in the car is not. It's like our private bubble of do what you want, isn't it? So yeah. it's really nice to use this as an example of Just what one you can transmute.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, people listening to this, if you've, you've been through surgery and you've needed to change what you do significantly, obviously you need to do mm. that. Sometimes it's not the actual diet or the exercise or the or the recommended changes by the professionals that have been dealing with you. It's actually your own belief that Mm -hmm. I can't do it or I'm not capable of doing it. You know, I work with a lot of people and you'll soon learn, learn about Richard where they say, you know, oh. I just can't lose weight or I Mm. can't stick to the diet or I can't exercise or whatever it may be. And whether it's true or not, this is the other piece, Jackie, is whether the belief is, you know, in our mind, true in inverted Mm. commas or not has got nothing to do with it. It's just our brain saying it enough becomes the truth. So if you keep telling yourself that you're no good at maths and you can show me your last maths test and you got 15 out of 100, um, I don't care about the 15 out of 100. If you keep telling yourself that, guess what's going to happen? You're never going to get good at it, right? Or people, I do a lot of work with um, with organised and one of the proof of concepts is is art i use art so one of the first things i say is anyone in the room who, who says they can't draw and 95% of people put up there. And when they do that, I, I keep that in the back of my mind because one of the activities we do in the half-day session is to get them to draw. And in an hour, what they've done is created a beautiful beachside setting as like any Brisbane, uh, like any uh, Queensland or whatever beach that you can imagine. And they've created it with six uh, pastels, six colours. Wow. And in an hour, they've done it. And invariably, we've done this with hundreds of thousands of people. Invariably, people go, oh my gosh, that's much better than I thought it was going to be. And that's what it's about is you're saying there's that belief Belief that I'm breaking or amending mm. because this guy's telling me I can get this outcome. Oh, maybe it's possible. Yeah, yeah. it is possible. Right?
0: And the potential on the other side of our beliefs that are locking us into a certain way of being or what we're seeing in our lives, it's obviously a key and I've read a lot about this kind of thing too and I find that there's an understanding of prior to six years old we're just a sponge that's absorbing these beliefs so you can't even be held accountable for making these beliefs because a lot of them are not yours they're things you've heard little snippets end of conversation that some adults been having and they all go in and get kind of stuck in there and until we find programs like yours or some other way of digging out this stuff from unconscious. Conscious. They, we just don't know that it's there and accessing right. it and accessing it in a nice and easy and, you know, clean and happy way that's right. um, rather than digging up and, you know, I guess reaffecting ourselves. This yeah. is, yeah, perfect way of doing it.
1: Yeah, that's that's why I think I've been so, you know, excited over the last sort of yeah. period of time to be able to do this because it is exactly what you said. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it's about taking responsibility for yourself and mm-hmm. yet in the same breath understand like exactly like you said that, the beliefs that were there, that are there for you, probably are not a product of your conscious thinking. Not and at all. There's a brain bit that's really important here, is a part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. It, it, it exists above your eyes. Okay. Mm. So that bit, that's responsible for executive function, right? high level thinking and making decisions and all that type of thing. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't mature in a human <laughs> until the mid twenties, right? I know. In girls, it's actually early twenties, but men, they reckon never mature. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 26, that. 27 is yeah, the argument. That. Yeah. Yes, but right. it's so you know later.
0: we're we're running our lives at that point aren't we we've <laughs> left, we've left home we've studied we have started working we're 26 years old and we're expecting that we would be able to manage ourselves but our yeah. brains aren't ready
1: yeah that's right uh, and, and let alone you know 19 as i've got a kid yeah. you know, just about to turn 18 and on his peas and he's um, he's got his license and insurance companies want to want to charge you a crazy amount because they know that Children or young adults at that age aren't capable of making those decisions because their brain hasn't matured yet. So why I'm saying that is that a lot of the beliefs that went in, you know, up six, seven years of age, Mm. just went in. They went yep. in unchallenged because our prefrontal cortex didn't say, oh, that hang on, person I mean said that, that to you." Yeah, hang on. That's right. <laughs> it didn't say, hey, you know, that, I, that person was in a, a foul mood and that's the reason. They just hear the yes. message. Yes,
0: and the brain believes
1: it to be true, Absolutely. obviously. So it then embeds. that's
0: where we're living our lives from. And that's do right. you know the percentage of that kind of reactivity, the understanding of, you know, this bank of beliefs and ideas and an understanding of the world that we have or we made when we were six? It's a huge percentage of... I've heard 90 to 95% yeah, 95. of the choices That's we the make yep, are based on unconscious junk that went in in our childhood whether we had a rosy childhood you know if we had a supportive and loving childhood isn't that great some of those beliefs will serve us now but if we didn't we're running from that platform of all these different you know voices we hear during you know heated arguments that kind of stuff and to be able to understand that i think is the very beginning of wanting to look at that
1: that's exactly right you summed it up so beautifully it it is the genesis of our behavior it is the mm. basics of our behaviour and we were either not aware of it, actually most of us, and, and the number I had um, to answer your question, 95% is what I heard too. Right, yeah. NLP and and the whole sort of understanding of the brain. Uh, that That's a hard number to actually um, justify or, mm. or, or, or to, to ensure is correct and yet – it makes complete sense that most mm. of what goes in goes in unchallenged up until the age of 26, so to speak. But most of what our formative, and they call it, it, it in psychology, they call it imprint. Zero to seven yeah. is the imprint phase. You know, Correct. just to pick up your, your knowledge about the the sponge effect, right? And then we spend the rest of our lives essentially working from that platform. Now, mm. like you said, it's not all bad. My goodness, I got no. wonderful, wonderful uh, beliefs about working hard, uh, respecting others, etc. And they were embedded in my Zero to seven imprint phase, Correct. and still a part of, of my core and my personality, and, and what I really believe about the world. So it's not all generally. No. It's just that when there's behaviors that are not, like you said, not serving us, that's when it's time to look at that. Absolutely. There's, mm. there's a mechanism, and there's a way we can go back to that. Mm. So it's interesting, and, and and I'm all acutely aware we, we could spend three to four hours on this <laughs> podcast. So what I'll do is, is quickly just yes. introduce your audience to the the, lim, uh, the, the self-sabotage. There's six ways. So we just talked about limiting belief. That's limiting, limiting beliefs are number one brain blinker. It's the biggie, so to speak, self-sabotage. And you talk about the saboteurs. Mm. I I talk about six. There are many, uh, Mm. if you want to further reading on this, um, Sarah Edelman, change of thinking. She talks about 36 ways that we self-sabotage. I like to use what I call the coffee analogy. Now I'm not telling people not to drink coffee. I love a good good cup of coffee, (laughs) but it's an acronym for the six ways we self-sabotage. And I'll do this really quickly. Great. There's more information that people can read, obviously, on my website.
0: Exactly. Long show notes for your program. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's right. The coffee coffee talks for six ways we, we self-sabotage. So C is for catastrophize. So that's making things worse. And we can all think of examples of that. O is for when we overgeneralize. All right. So we put people in a basket. So all the isms of this, racism, sexism, you know, someone came from that school, oh, they're going to be like this. Or right. I went I went through this part of my life in this way. Well then that means I'm going to do this. You know, so it's putting ourselves in a little pigeon hole, so to speak. So that's overgeneralizing. Then you've got filtering. F, the first F is filtering, where we're choosing to remember or hear one thing in mm. spite of many other things being uh, said or done. So for example, if you've been through surgery and you're really struggling, then that one day of struggle versus maybe say four days of success, your brain will selectively remember the one day of struggle. Correct. Okay, that's another phenomenon. People listening to this, no doubt nodding. Then you've got forecasting, which I think is really dangerous. This is where we start predicting failure before it even has the chance to arrive. You know, For example, a good prediction in this sort of scenario is when someone else has gone through surgery and not had a good result and therefore our brain goes, ah, that means we're not going to have a good result. I'm not going to be able to do it. So negative forecasting really, really common, uh, not just in surgery, it's in, in, in many aspects of life. Then you've got emotionalizing, really interesting piece here. This is not about being emotional. Everyone's emotional or the ability to be emotional. It's about not being able to separate who who we are from what we do so for example negative emotionalizing is when we fail so we stuff up but then we feel like a failure or we believe we're a failure when we've failed in fact what's happened is you've just failed yeah so and, that's and, gonna yep. and that's going to happen and that's going to happen to everyone and at all
0: identifying times. with that is not a good kind of way forward
1: well that's right because what you do, you're starting to do is believe you as a person are the failure whereas mm. in fact uh, the thing that people have gone through is the failure uh, not you. So, you know, with children, it's a really big thing. I remember learning this really early on, thankfully, is not to associate my, my children with the stuff ups they do. For example, you know, they, they when they're little, they ride on the wall. And instead of saying naughty girl or naughty boy, it's you've got to identify the action. That's that. the naughty thing. That's, yes. that's naughty. You're a good kid that's made a bad decision yeah. or, a, or not, a, not a good decision, so to speak. So uh, really important not to feel like a failure when you fail because we all mm. fail. And if we all felt like a failure, my goodness, we'd be in all sorts of trouble and then the last piece um which people can look up i, I, I... I made the word up. It's called effectualize. Okay, That means be at the effect of things rather than at the cause. And this is you know, the, the domain of uh, the I, we call it the Oz principle, which is a principle that Smith Hickman and Connor have been around for about 25 years. It's one of the most powerful models of accountability I've ever seen. And I'm doing it no justice by speaking to it, to it in a minute, but <laughs> if you want to look it up. And, and, and certainly it's a, it's a core part of what we do in Brain Blinkers is just think of a line, like a horizontal line, you're either above or below this imaginary line in life. And when you're below it, you're at the effect of things. You know, you mm. blame others. Oh, this happened to me and I was brought up to eat too much. and This and this and this and this. Deny, it's not my problem. It's their problem. And when you're there, you're not likely to find a solution. In fact, your brain will target the problem. And so it becomes self-fulfilling. You know, think about the problem. Oh, blame, blame, blame. Deny. It's some of a victim mentality. We all go through that. right? Break that cycle. It's critical to be what we call at cause which is to say all right what can i do what's in my power to change this result and what what can i do to an affect that to affect that result so it brings the accountability to you and by doing that you just open your brain to the possibility that things might uh, have a solution and that's mm. that's that's what I call don't effectualize don't be at the effect of things be at the cause of them and just step out and do that Mel Robbins thing of you know five four five, three, four three two one I'm going to go for a walk yeah instead of saying oh it's because I can't do this blah 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 set so
0: yourself up yeah that's setting yourself great, up that's yeah. right so
1: that, that's the six way well, there's many more of course but mm. the, in, in the brain blinkers methodology I talk about six ways that we set self-sabotage you know what the third one is around fear and you know what there's never been a year i think certainly in my 50 years (laughs) where people are more fearful and uncertain and whatnot um and he this third brain blinker oh gosh again with time i don't want to get too much here because it could be really long but effectively we have got to realize that we're fearful because it protects us
0: yeah
1: fear is a is a an absolute emotion that is designed to protect us and to keep the species alive. If we think of it from that, what we call primal theory perspective, meaning, you know, the saber-toothed tiger comes into the cave and the caveman has to react really quickly. And that's that fight or flight response, right? Yeah. Instead of thinking about things, right? So that that's what's happening, that fight or flight response. When we fear, we're basically trying to protect our lives. Unfortunately, it results in us sometimes not doing very good things. So the one thing I think about here, and it, again, it's going to be in the book, It's in, certainly in the program that I work with is this thing called the what's called the Yerkes-Dodson effect and this this is where you think about how you perform and the amount of adrenaline in your blood as adrenaline increases so as you the fight or flight response is triggered in the low amounts right your act your energy increases and your ability to perform increases too but then if you can just imagine like an upside down U, it gets to the top of the curve and then any more adrenaline Actually, reduces your performance. Mm. We all know that feeling. You know, maybe you've been asked to speak at a wedding, or off the cuff, the boss says, "Hey, what are your thoughts on this?" And we freeze, or we we can't get our words out. Uh, and that's that's effectively the Yerkes-Dodson model in practice. So the idea with fear is to let it happen. It's a natural thing. There's no question, right? It's not a bad thing, but to manage your adrenaline. So if you're feeling low in energy, do things that increase your energy, obviously, Mm. right? Go for a run, talk to your mum, listen to your favourite song and that increases your energy so you can get to that big optimal level of adrenaline. But if you, most people are actually too much adrenaline, they're too far down that track. What you want with people like that is to reduce the amount of adrenaline in your blood and the classic way, the easiest, cheapest way to do it (laughs) is to quite simply deep breathe. And if any of your people are doing yoga, meditation, Pilates, all those wonderful things. They are beautiful for that 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it may be, of reducing your adrenaline by encouraging you to breathe deeply. And it's Mm. a beautiful technique to help you deal with fear.
0: Yeah, and increases that prefrontal access to the prefrontal cortex where we can make good decisions and we can organize our thoughts and look into the future. Whereas when you've got that cortisol blasting through everything, you are coming from the base of the brain, which is not it's instinctual so it's reactivity and it's kind of that primal you know survival kind that's of right. choices that you'd be making rather than letting those thoughts from the front of the brain start to actually fold unfold yeah so it's uh, it, that's what meditation does that's what all those things are all about is just sure calming things enough to let us think straight so yeah, i right. think the world we're living in too with technology and all that sort of stuff messing up our neurotransmitters a little bit these kind of breathing techniques and you know Reducing that kind of reactivity will help us to function, you know, overnight almost.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, it, like you said, you said it really beautifully, Jackie. It's once you realise what's going on, and so much of this is around awareness. And actually, it leads me to the last thing here, which yeah. is all, all around how how do you remove this stuff? How do you actually do something about it? You know, where do we and sign up? Where do you sign, <laughs> yeah, ultimately, we sign up. And I, and I just wanted to to give your listeners just an idea of, of the process here. Being because in my experience, and this is where I've been back to the story of Richard that I promised early on. At this stage, right. So if you could just imagine, I was speaking, you know, for a couple of hours, and at this stage, Richard had been intently listening, hadn't said a single word during the workshop. And we'd done breakouts, we'd done the pastel sketch that I'd mentioned before, and he had not know, he was smiling a bit. And I got to this stage, and I said, "Okay, guys." this last 20 minutes, I'm going to talk about how to remove the brain blinker. Okay. So get your blinkers off, so to speak. And it's a four-step process. It's the last acronym that I'll share with you. And it's called the ACID test, A-C-I-D, four steps. And the A stands for being aware. So be aware of what you hold true. Be aware of the belief like I had when I was a road rager, which is people should drive like me. That's actually in my way. And then I threw to the audience, I'll never forget this. I threw to the audience and I said, oh, listen, is is there someone in this room? And this was a pharmaceutical company, So these are guys and girls involved in the sales and marketing of pharmaceutical products, right? Prescription products. And I, I said, who's got an example? It can be a personal example or a professional example. Doesn't matter as long as we got one of, of someone who, who would like, who's got a limiting belief and would like to shift it. And this guy put up his hand and he said, I'm Richard Romano. And he stood up and Richard was a big lad. Be glad, And he said, Anthony, I can't run. That's my limiting belief. And I remember saying to him from the front of the stage, and all his mates sort of laughed. And from the front of the stage, I said, mate, do you want to run? He said, yes. And I said, why? And he said, and despite what you're probably thinking right now, he said, I, my wife takes my four girls for a walk around the Oval every second day. I've never been, and that makes me feel sad. So it was nothing about his weight. Incredibly, it's just the fact that he's missing out on time with his kids, right? And so I thought, okay. And I remember turning to my flip chart going, wow, this is a biggie. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Better get this right. And I I trusted in my process. I've been doing it a while. So I turned around and said, okay, A C I D. And if you're listening to this, you can be writing this down. A is to be aware of the blinker. And he was very aware. I can't run is the limiting belief. So the C is for challenge. Challenge the belief. And I said to him, Mate, what what's a better belief to hold? Your limiting belief is I can't run. What's a better belief? And he immediately went to what we call the diametric opposite, which is I can run. And I said, mate, you can't. So what's better than I can't run, but not as crazy as you can? Because you cannot. And he physically couldn't, right? And he went, oh... Uh, well, I guess if I really worked hard at it, I could do walk one lap with my family, maybe in a couple of weeks' time. I said, "Okay, let's write that down." So the better belief, creating that better belief, is an important part, and then it comes down to the old seesaw. What's the benefit of changing the belief versus the benefit of staying the same? The benefit of changing, he told me, was I'd feel good about myself. My wife would really appreciate the effort. My kids would see that as well. I'd probably lose a few kilos, feel better about myself. La di da di da. We all know the Benefits of fitness, goodness. You mm. all know the benefits of of eating well and staying online with nutrition. We, we, we all understand it. And yet a lot of us fall off the bandwagon. Yeah. Right. And so he, at this stage, we'd written a big list. What are the benefits of changing? He wrote that list in 10 seconds flat and it was really compelling. I said, Richard, so what it's compelling and you're nodding with me here, mate. So why haven't you done it? He said, I don't know. I said, well, maybe we haven't thought about, or you haven't thought about the benefits of staying the same. And he said, what do you mean? I said, what's the benefit to you, Richard, of continuing to say you're can't run. And he said, there are none. I said, yeah, that's incorrect mm, because you haven't be done something. it. There's mm. something, right? There's yeah. something there. And he oh, <laughs> the look of what we call cognitive dissonance in <laughs> his face. He just stood there and if you could just imagine a crinkled up face going, the benefit of continuing to say I can't run and then his face, you know, like in the movies <laughs> where the, where the, where the light bulb moment happens and the face drops, his, his jaw quite literally dropped, his eyes opened. And at that stage, I remember looking at him and I must've looked like the Cheshire cat because he had that moment because it was the, the awakening. He went, oh my goodness. And he stopped and it looked like he was searching for the words. I said, just say it, mate. He said, I've always been the fat guy. And it's that sense of identity. Yes. He said, at school, I never ran in the races. You know, I got eat more meat pies than anyone else. And I could drink more beer at uni than anyone else. And da, 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 for 48 years, he'd mm. been the fat guy. And, he, he, that moment at a, at a venue in the Hunter Valley, or wherever we were, he's just in front of all his peers, he just went, Oh my goodness, mm. that's what's been driving my behavior, which is I identify with being big. I don't want to be necessarily, but I've identified with it. It's who I am. Yes. And I said, Mate, do you reckon that's affecting your behavior? He said, Yeah, sure is. I said, Is <laughs> there anything else? Is there any other benefit to continue saying, I can't run? And he said, I don't have to run. Mm. I said, that's, an, that's another benefit, mate. You don't have to sweat, you don't have to work, of course. And you know, that's that whole comfort zone thing, you know, getting out of the comfort zone. That's a benefit. Mm. To not change is a benefit to our brain. And so what happens here is you just line up the, the benefits of changing versus the benefits of staying the same. And you have to be brutally honest. Mm. And if the benefits of changing the belief outweigh the benefits of staying the same and holding on to that limiting belief, then you can progress forward. If not, you're not going to change yet. It won't happen. You'll be pushing the proverbial uphill. So to
0: speak. Yes, yes.
1: And I just remember Richard saying, no, nah, it's it's that left, you know, it, as I was drawing on the whiteboard, it's the left hand side, the benefit of change versus the benefit of hanging on to the limiting beliefs. But I can't reinforce folks when you're working with me, or if you read the book or whatever you do, it being so brutally honest with yourself is
0: fundamental
1: mm. here. And he said, Yeah, it's that. And so then we get we progress to the third step, which is imagine what it's gonna be like, mate. Imagine this afternoon when you get home and you put on a t shirt and shorts and you go for a walk this afternoon with your kids. What's gonna be the look on their face? What's gonna what's What's the weather going to be like? Are you going to be sweating? And that visualization and using all your senses, not just visual, is mm. really important. You know, it's that uh, thinking of the dress, thinking of what you're going to wear, thinking of the reaction of people that I know, a, no, a number of your listeners already are very aware yes. well of. Yes, this you know. is a
0: really pertinent story to yeah. you know, oh, relatable, yeah. totally relatable.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And 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 not only to people who've been through what your listeners are being, mm. it, it's it, it's in life as well. And and Richard just imagined what he even imagined was the look on his wife's Face, you know, when when she got back from work that Friday afternoon and saw him in t-shirt and shorts saying, "Let's go for a walk," mm. and you know, it, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. And he got quite emotional at that stage. And then the D, the last step, is go and do it. Yes. Like, now, now, what are you going to? And I said to Richard, "What are you going to do this afternoon, mate? You get back at three thirty from this conference. We're finishing at lunchtime here. What are you going to do?" And he said, "I'm going to put on a t-shirt and shorts." And everyone sort of, you know, went into a p- yeah. And I said, "I oh, calm down. Everyone, calm down. Um, this is up to Richard, not up to you. Good on your mate. You've done a great thing." He talked to me afterwards and said, "Mate, I'm going to do it." I said, "I know." You are because I can see it in your face. You know, the long story or the short story of that one is that that was January, I think 2013 or 2012. Actually, it was 12. And in January of 2012, between there and August that year, that guy lost 30 kilos wow. and ended up um, competing in the Sydney City to surf. <laughs>
0: That's he, incredible. He,
1: and you know what he did? And I had no idea. He texted me on this day in August. I was watching the footy with my kids and I got this text from an unknown number and it was just a picture of him holding the dodgy, Sydney oh, North,
0: or, you know,
1: the, the little, Yeah. Bit. and he just oh. took a, bit, a selfie and said, thanks mate. Don't oh. ask me my time. Like it's not as if he's running you know, record time. No, but
0: still he's out, competed, there, out there, there. doing goosebumps. it. Goosebumps.
1: That's amazing. Oh, it's, yeah. It's so cool. You're after? Where, he, yeah. Well, the year at, after he. He did two, he did two half marathons and a, and a full marathon. Oh my God. Which is, which is a marathon more than I've done. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> it's so, absolutely, yeah, right. absolutely anything possible.
0: And that's the power of these beliefs and being aware of them. But it's also right. brings me to, you know, the use of willpower where yes. people are like, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to do whatever it is you're trying to do that no, no amount of willpower is going to bust these beliefs and no, no meal plan and no this week's diet is going to actually crack through this to allow this success to come through. So I'm going to say it again, without the mindset work, this journey is harder. It's not so that true. it wouldn't be successful because the surgery is a wonderful tool, but without changing this underlying understanding of ourselves, it would make the road a whole lot easier.
1: So so true. So true, Jackie. Um, and that's why, yeah, I, I think that the key to it people listen to this and people have been involved in my workshops and done my online program and quite often what they do is they'll binge it because yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so relevant to them it's so so now so to speak um that they sort of just do the whole program in, in one hit a number of people have emailed me after they've signed up like a day or two later and gone thank you so much i'm doing mm.
0: i thought how the hell You've done it. <laughs> i haven't slept but i've changed slept. a few beliefs just
1: yeah. incredible so
0: on that note how do we access your amazing
1: work what Oh um, sure, yeah. The the brain. Uh, so if you just remember brainblinkers.com, that's yeah, the way to get. Yeah, it'll it.
0: be in the show notes below the podcast. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right.
1: And, and and if you go into the brain blinkers sleeve, you'll see it there. And it's called the brain blinkers online program. Jackie, what I've also got is uh, if there's a code, and I'll make sure it's in the notes as well. Uh, Bn multi. Yeah. I think it's Bn multi one. I'll make sure that's right, but I'll have it in the notes for everyone. It's a. I'm offering twenty five percent off.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. That's very generous. And it'll be the
1: first hundred people, whoever you know, sort of jumps on board first. And Brilliant! It's, it's a wonderful, very um, accessible program. It's it's basically a portal. Mm. It's it's jump in, start from the beginning do the video they're, they're modular so each one is only seven to ten minutes oh, but it basically walks you through the program keeps you accountable and uh, it, it's a wonderful way of um, helping you attack even just that one limiting belief that can mm. make a profound difference to your life
0: i think that's amazing and you're right there's a whole lot of them but just these larger chunks that we can work through are, it's just so powerful and good work you've done amazing things and i'm sure it must be so rewarding watching everybody change in front of your eyes and um, oh, just hearing the follow-up here
1: yeah. It's lovely. It's, you know, the, the Richard example is, is one that obviously sticks in my head, but there's mm, so many so examples many. from people who just say, you know, what I managed to talk to my wife about X, Y, and Z, or, or yeah. I asked for the promotion, or I, you know, I backed myself and did that presentation and people actually enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's those moments that become the catalyst for even greater change for people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That sounds wonderful. I'm going to log in use my code. <laughs> Good <on>
1: you, Jackie.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Anthony Benici. We'll include everything the listeners need for following up on your work and we'll advertise that wonderful offer in our group and all through our newsletter and that sort of thing as well so you don't miss out thanks once again for your time i so appreciate that it's very inspiring
1: my pleasure jackie thanks have a
0: wonderful day thanks anthony Bye. bye
1: Thanks for listening. And
0: just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BNBariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.